0: Welcome to the fourth episode of The Normal World, a podcast where former elite athletes share their stories. Not so much about their sport careers, but about how they find their way back into normal life. Today's guest is Eva Moll, and together we'll dive into the world of climbing and power climbing. We'll talk about why she started climbing in the first place, had to quit her career due to her muscle disease, fell in love with the sport years later, and now she's part of the Dutch national power climbing team. I'm Annenleit Bakker and this is The Normal World of Eva Moll. Welcome Eva, how are you?
1: Uh, thanks, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm ready to start.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to have you here on the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk oh, about climate climbing- having me. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, we're going to talk about climbing and paraclimbing climbing today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you started climbing in the first place?
1: Well, that's actually a funny story because um, I never heard so much about climbing. Uh, and I was, uh, was, I was having a sleepover at my cousin's when I was um, 11, I think, 10 or 11. And um, I was, he, has, he had a, a boulder gym in his bedroom. Uh, and so I slept, cool. <laughs> yeah and i slept on the boulder mods and i was like what's this and he, he told me well it's bouldering uh it's called bouldering there's a moth underneath so you climb without a rope and um yeah let's try it and i tried it <laughs> and i loved it <laughs> and i pretty much climbed the entire night until i really had to go to bed <laughs> and uh the next day when i got home i told my parents Oh my God, I did bouldering and I like it. So they signed me up for a children's climbing course in Bukes, which is the climbing center in Groningen in the northern part of Holland. And um, I remember that I started that course over a Christmas break and I did it in the first week, week of a, a two-week Christmas break. And I, uh, after the course, I went every day to the climbing gym and I, I loved it so much. And I never stopped since. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so there is a difference between climbing and bouldering. Indeed, you said climbing is with a rope and bouldering is without a rope and yes. not that high. Yeah. So um, you said you started bouldering, but you also started the climbing course. What's, what 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 drawn you into climbing? What was the feeling when you were climbing on the wall?
1: Um, well, I, I remember at first it was like, wow, this is this is something different between uh, compared with a bedroom boulder gym. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it was really high, Bux is quite high actually, but yeah, it, it felt like a challenge and um, I really liked the feeling of climbing and challenging yourself and trying more difficult routes. Um, yeah, from that first start I was hooked.
0: Yeah, and you weren't scared at all because I know some people are like f- afraid of heights or anything? Um,
1: No. No, not really. I I wasn't afraid of heights. I was always, um, I knew that I was at height. So I was very serious um, belaying, checking my harness and doing all the safety checks. Uh, But once I was tied with my knot and rope to my harness, I felt really safe and I felt like, um, let's go.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So, how many? You said you were there every day after you did the course. Yeah, so, that holiday. I was there every day. <laughs> yeah, and then. Um, so, how many hours did you start practicing when you first got into climbing?
1: Well, um, after that um, Christmas break, I was really enthusi- enthusiastic. So um, I started climbing. And I think I started with like both weekend days, and then um, there was a. A climbing coach who told me well do you know there are competitions and do you want to take part in a competition because I think you would like it um, and not long after I, I started doing my first competitions and
0: I uh, I started training with the uh, regional uh, youth teams um, and I and how many hours a week was that with the regional team
1: yeah um, I think pretty soon I started climbing like six days a week
0: Wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then did you feel like you were being an elite athlete back then? Or was that turning point in another point of time for you? Well, I think that first year was all
1: about sports and fun and um, learning and trying to be a better climber, trying to climb better, higher grades Um, and when I started, I think I did my first competition about half a year after I started. And then I started training with the regional selections as well. And then it started to be a little bit more serious. And I think within a year after I started climbing, I was asked for the national youth team. Wow. Um, and well, yeah, at that first competition, there was kind of a turning point where, I was like, yeah, this is this is fun, but I also want to do this in a competitive way and I want to be the best climber I can be. So, um, yeah, from the point that I was training at the regional youth team and there was a trainer uh, who said, uh, well, today we're going to do this. And um, you have, uh, well, I remember the first time with the trainer from the regional team in Groningen that... He brought me and one other other climber, a female climber, my age, uh to the school where um all the physical therapists are trained, the hogeschool, and we had some strength tests, and we had some fat measures. I was like, "Wow, this is getting serious and then um I felt like i I was a really I was a kid with really high standards and I felt like okay then I have to step up my game as well and not long afterwards I joined the national youth team and then I trained it seriously
0: for like six days a week sometimes seven. So that was more of a turning point for you when you started training in the national youth team of the Netherlands?
1: Yeah I think that the the turning point between oh this is just sports and it is for fun was that moment that uh, I had my first strength test, and I had a training program. And uh, the, the 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 coach said, "Well, we're gonna train, and we're gonna prepare you for the national youth team." And then, yeah, I just went for it, and I committed.
0: Yeah. So, can you um, tell me a bit more about your experience of the culture within the national youth team, where that might be very different to the normal world?
1: Um well um it was actually funny because um I was training in the national uh, the, the regional youth team in Groningen because in weekends I was with my mom and she lived in, in Groningen and during the week I was with my father in Amersfoort so I trained in, in, at a regional youth team in Rockstede in Bussum so I trained at two regional places and um every uh every Saturday morning I remembered we had a national team training in Thea, which is uh, a climbing gym that no longer exists, but it was in uh, in Amsterdam. Um, and the first time I trained there, I was really intimidated by all the others on the national youth team who were like, uh, in my eyes, at such a high level and were training really seriously. They were really focused on, on eating habits, on being... Um, uh, a performance athlete. On, um, well, climbing is a sport uh, where, in elite athletes, uh, your weight-strength ratio is really important. So, yeah, that was that was really serious. But there were also there was also time for fun. We had um, lots of training weekends when we had sleepovers in the climbing gym and we slept on the boulder mats and we were just training for two two days and having fun at night um or we were going to international training camps to climb outside um i, I
0: remember going to Orpierre. um uh, yeah that was fun yeah i know or i've been there with my dad and it's it's such a fun place to go so it, it must have been a great experience to do that with the national youth team yeah it was yeah with the national youth team you were saying you'd practiced almost every day do you know the amount of hours you put in the sport back then oh I think I trained about three hours a day wow and and how did you combine this with high school because I assumed it was during your high school period right
1: yes yes I started climbing when I was um in my second year of high school um and in in Holland you have different kind of high schools but I took the I, I did the VBO the sixth year high school and um from the third year to until my last year, I I was in the in the Dutch national youth team. I actually I actually think that I started climbing in the first grade and I started doing re- uh, uh, the national youth team in the in the second grade. Sorry.
0: Yeah. And how did you combine that with high school? Because I remember from my um, school experience combining it with elite sports, I had to leave early or miss mornings to practice. How did you combine it with high school? Well. Um, I had a really cool high school. I did a Montessori high school uh,
1: and we were um we were a little bit freer than the other high schools so at the start of the year we got a pensum book which meant that the year was divided in eight penta and in our book um stood the amount of things you had to do for a certain period uh, and I was a really a really focused kid with really high standards and I was like I was learning really well and i i found it important to have high grades so um i skipped a lot of classes uh, due to my sport i when i i came later or i went earlier uh home because i had to train and that was all all okay it was fine because um my grades were good i I was really (laughs) yeah i was I, i was really motivated both in sports and both at school so i never had I never had problems and when I skipped the class it never was a problem because we could yeah we, we could do our own pace um, in school.
0: That sounds really nice because um, did you feel like you could be a normal kid at school because you, it was combined in that way?
1: Yeah in school I was just Ava, uh, who was simultaneously in the Nuts youth team but um, when I skipped classes it wasn't a thing it was it was okay it was normal it was something that belonged to to me and i i never slacked behind i always did my my work earlier than i should do so (laughs) sometimes it was even good that i went training or went on a two-week training scam to Orpierre, for instance during the school year because my my schoolwork was was in order
0: (laughs) yeah no that sounds so nice so um in the national youth team, did you went, um, I assume you had nationals, but you, did you also went to international competitions with them?
1: Yeah, yeah, we had nationals and international competitions. For instance, um, we had uh, bouldering competitions in, in France and so, yeah. And how
0: did that go? Did you win any medals or?
1: Well, uh, back then, um, I didn't know I had a muscle disease. Um, I always knew from the end of... Um, elementary school that I had problems uh, putting my hands uh, above my head. Um, I I, I lacked a bit of strength during that. Uh, Walking the stairs was difficult for me and I stood up in a quite particular manner from the ground. I I had like to push myself up to get up instead of um, standing up the normal way. And in strength test uh, from the early start on, I always lacked strength. But we didn't know I had a muscle disease back then, so I was always good enough to be in the national team and to climb finals in competitions. And I, I also when I was in a youth team, I already climbed like the adult competitions in in Holland as well and the adult uh, Dutch championships as well. But I was never like the best, and now I can explain it because I I already had a muscle disease back then. But yeah, no,
0: I, I um, yeah, I podiumed, but I never won a big prize. So yeah, you mentioned your muscle disease, that must have been a big influence on your career back then. Can you maybe elaborate a bit more about that?
1: Well, back then, I didn't know what it was. And um, I just trained really hard. And when my muscle test lagged behind, uh, I trained even harder. And I could cope with the the team level until I was 18, and then there was a point that my my climbing rates went down instead of up, and there was a point that reaching finals became more difficult, and that was a point that I that I found really difficult because I was always that kid who wanted to be the best climber. I wanted to to win. I had I had that that internal drive, that mentality, and it didn't go anymore. So when I was 18, I actually quit um, elite climbing.
0: That must have been pretty difficult Um to make that decision.
1: Yeah, for me, the decision was combined with finishing high school. And before I went to university, I took a gap year. So uh, instead of feeling the big black gap with uh, stopping your your elite uh, sports career, I actually uh, did a gap year in Asia, Southeast Asia, and um, I remember that I was in Thailand and I was in Krabi, which is a, a famous climbing place. And up until that point, I I lost my my joy in climbing because I was like, oh, I can't reach the levels that I used to climb. So. When I was in Krabi and I was really feeling relaxed because I was traveling and it was fun and I met all those really cool new people and and, and and had all those really cool new experiences, I went climbing for a few days there and that's where I, that was the first time that I found joy in climbing after I stopped and I didn't feel like, oh, I have to push grades, I have to find a project, I, I have to climb a higher grade, I have to train, it was just fun. Um, And that was a really good experience. So for me, that was also the point that was like, okay, climbing, it doesn't work anymore. My body can't cope anymore. Um, Let's find something different to do, something that I can enjoy. So when I was back home after my gap year in Asia uh, and I started university, um, I started field hockey, playing field hockey. Uh, I was a goalkeeper and I really enjoyed that. For a few years and I with my mentality again I really pushed myself to become the best goalkeeper I could be and I uh, within a year I played in a in a first team and I played competitions and <laughs> it was all getting serious again uh, I really enjoyed it because for me that's that's something I um, if I play a sport I want to give it my all um, so I really enjoyed it
0: This is a little interruption from me. We had a technical difficulty when we were recording the podcast, which is why the sound might sound a bit different after this insert. Um, Yeah, that happens sometimes. But um, let's continue listening to Eva and her story.
1: So when I was um, doing my master's, I noticed that um, I had problems getting up from the ground because as a goalkeeper, you do really quick actions and you slide to the ground. You have to get up really fast. And I just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, and furthermore, um, I after training, my muscles felt so tired um, that I, I had to recover for a few days. So uh, that was actually the point that they did researches in the hospital. Well, they, they already did it before when I was younger and they told me, well, we think you might have a muscle disease, but chances are slim that we're gonna find what it is. Um, and when I was younger, I was like, yeah, I can play sports, it's all good. I don't have any problems. But then they uh, then they did the exams again, and they were again like, oh, there are signs of a muscle disease, so maybe we should do more testing. And that was the point for me that that I just couldn't do regular sports anymore because my body was too tired, I was having too much problems with my strength.
0: Yeah. If, if we go back to that process when you were trying to find new sports and at some point you were you need to come to terms with the fact you couldn't do regular sports anymore, how, how did you experience that? What was it difficult for you to accept or, or how did that go?
1: Well, um, I tend to look at the bright side of life and I tend to be really positive and, and really flexible. So I was like, okay, well, that doesn't work anymore. Let's find something else I enjoy because that's the most important thing that I found something that I enjoy and that I really like and that I can give it my all because my competitive nature, (laughs) I want to do something that I can be best at. So I tried out different para sports until I
0: found the sport for me. So uh, you did a couple of different para sports before you went into paraclimbing, right? Yes. I started, I think, with swimming.
1: Um, which was like, yeah, it's fun, but I missed like I I miss like doing it with other people or challenging myself even more. So I started playing
0: um wheelchair hockey. Cause at that point you were already in a wheelchair like full completely all time.
1: Yeah, I, no. I think from the end of um I think from halfway during my studies I got my first wheelchair. I think maybe the first or the second year that I was studying, I got my first wheelchair. But then I didn't use it. I, I, I felt like I didn't need it yet. Um, and I think when I finished my master's, I started using the wheelchair for like longer bits um, if I had to go into the city or well, things like that. And I think now, well, the last five years, um, I've been in the wheelchair uh, full- time.
0: How was that adjustment for you to come to terms with the fact you needed a wheelchair the whole day instead of just for longer bits? Was that difficult?
1: Well, at first when I got the first wheelchair, that was the point that I found most difficult. Like the step using a wheelchair and like giving in to the fact that you can do it on your own. But when I when I got over that little bump, uh, I felt like a wheelchair could give me freedom as well. Because without my wheelchair, I limited myself. And with my wheelchair, I could do anything. And uh, right now I am I can use my wheelchair really well. I can do escalators up and down. I can do small bumps up and down. I can go down the stairs. Um, I can go camping with it. I, I, I did wild camping with it. Um, I'm really comfortable <laughs> in my chair. So it, it, it allows me freedom. So um, right now, the relationship between me and my chair is really
0: good. It's just part of me. It just took some time to get used to it, I guess. Um, yeah. What helped you to get over that bump, uh, as you explain it, to come to terms with the fact that you needed it and you limited yourself while not using it?
1: Well, I, I think my mindset, because you can you can dwell on the negative sides of life or on the things that you find hard or difficult, but most of the time that doesn't help so much. It only sets you back. But when you tend to look at the positive things of life and the things you can gain, it gives you freedom and it gives opportunities. So for me it was it was like, okay, maybe I find it hard to use that wheelchair. I can dwell on that. But I can also look on the bright things. For instance, going to an amusement park with my friends wasn't possible for me anymore because I couldn't I couldn't
0: walk. Um, and with that chair, I could. Wow, that's amazing how you just have that mindset of looking at the bright side. I, I, I really admire that about you. Just a little sidetracked, but going back to parasports, you didn't like swimming that much. Which para sports did you then try out until you came in contact with climbing again? Well, I, tried, I tried out wheelchair hockey, which was closely related to playing
1: field hockey, and I really liked it. I still do, but um, it, it, My heart wasn't just completely in it. Uh, Then I started rowing. And I really like, I still row. I really like rowing. I really like the feeling on the water. I I also, in between, I did paracycling. And although I still cycle with my ankle foot orthosis, um, um, as a sport, it was, (laughs) my legs are (laughs) hard up to the task. So (laughs) paracycling wasn't for me. But I still row. And I really, really, really like rowing. And I, I also do para-kayak, which is also really funny. You recently started doing it, right? Yeah, I recently started doing it. Because of Corona, uh, I'm not allowed to go rowing because I don't have a top, top, top sport status. So I can be in a boat because in my category, you row mixed uh, in a, a two-person boat. And there isn't there there isn't one and a half meters distance in the boat. So no no rowing for now. So I started to do kayaking, which is really wobbly. <laughs> I went. Like the first time I tried kayaking, I went swimming three times, which was freezing, but it was fun. <laughs> um no, and I think um about three years ago, uh in the um in the autumn of 2018, I read a piece on Facebook on Renske Nuchter, a paraglider, about paraclimbing, and I was like, damn, there wasn't a paraclimbing team in my days in the national youth team. There is now. Wow. I haven't climbed in years, but I miss it so much. Let's send the National Federation an email to ask which gyms are wheelchair accessible. And I didn't really expect a response, but I got a response from the National Parateam coach. And she was like, oh, if you're interested, just join the training. Uh, And I I think I I climbed two or three times before that first Dutch team training. And I did a quick one-hour course to see if I knew all the techniques right, which I did. <laughs> and then I climbed three times and then I did my first uh, paraclimbing training. And yeah, I
0: it was really weird climbing again. I, I imagine how much you haven't been in a climbing gym for so many years and then stepping into the climbing gym again with a wheelchair. I can imagine that must be very weird. Yes,
1: it was really weird. It was actually... When I was an elite climber, I felt like climbing was my world. It was like I belonged there. I was really good at what I did. And then I stopped climbing, and when I started climbing again, I didn't feel like it was my world anymore. I felt like, "Wow, I'm the odd one. I'm the one in the wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> climbing really feels different right now. so that was that was a bit of adjustment to make, a mental adjustment. How did it feel different? Can you maybe specify it a bit more? When I was younger, I was like, I was, I was looking at a route and I could like feel the steps I had to make and I could feel my body doing them. And then when I started climbing, my body did exactly what I wanted it to do. I was completely in charge. And when I started again with my muscle disease and being wheelchair bound, I still stood before a route and I saw it and i like, I know how to do every move, but at that point, my body was so different that I had problems actually doing it. I had to adapt myself. I had to adapt to the fact that I have so limited power and strength that I have to climb in a very technical way and find other solutions to reach the top. And in the first year, it was, well, sometimes it was a struggle and sometimes I was down like, oh, I used to climb a really high climbing grade, and now I'm struggling on these easy routes. But then again, I used my mindset to be really happy that I could climb, and that I found climbing again, and that I actually really rocked paraclimbing climbing. Because uh, that third time that I went climbing, and that first time on the Dutch national paraclimbing climbing team, I wasn't bad. I was pretty good, and I think three months after that moment, I joined the Dutch paraclimbing climbing team. I did selections, I did tryouts, and I made I made the team. And at that point. I really felt happy again. I felt so happy in the gym. I felt happy climbing. Climbing gives me total freedom. I literally climb out of my own disability because I leave my wheelchair at the ground. And because I use four limbs to climb, it's much easier than walking because in walking, you only use two limbs. Now you have four limbs. That means that you have more resting points and using really good technique makes that I
0: climb a pretty decent level. Yeah, you, you do, actually, yeah. So um, is it, was it only your mindset that helped you to feel comfortable in the world again? Or were there maybe other things that helped you along the way that might make you feel at home back in the gym again? Yeah, I think
1: um, the community really helped. Um, I started climbing in Mountain Network in Amsterdam, um, which I wasn't climbing when I was younger. When I was younger, I was climbing in, in, in Rocksteady in Bussum. But I started climbing in Mountain Network in Amsterdam because um, it's wheelchair friendly, and that's one of the places where the Dutch paragliding team trains. And I just met all those amazing people who are not looking at me at like she's the girl in the wheelchair, but were looking at me as a climber, as a person who were thinking along difficult moves in a route, um, who were enthusiastic about climbing, just like me. So, yeah, that's what I really, really like. I don't feel limited climbing. I feel free and I feel in charge of my
0: of my own body again. And maybe if I interpreted it right, you feel like they look past your wheelchair and look at you as a person, as a climber, instead of you, a climber in a wheelchair. Do I interpret that correctly?
1: Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't happen all the time. I've I've had some bad experiences that I went to a, a new climbing gym that I haven't been before and that they checked my every move for like three hours because um, even though I said hey I can climb I know how to belay I'm even in a Dutch bear climbing team they they didn't see me as capable so that that, that hurt it or I've, yeah or yeah. I've been in a gym where two of the other climbers I was getting out of my wheelchair and starting on like a really easy route, um, first route of the day, really easy. Just a warm up, I guess. Just a warm right. up. Yeah, a really easy warm up. And they were like, wow, good job. It was like, act normal. <laughs> I'm just a climber. I'm not an inspiration because I'm in a wheelchair. Or you don't have to um, give me the thumbs up for climbing a really easy route. I actually on uh, sighted really <laughs> hard route <laughs> shortly afterwards. I was like, they were like, whoa. I'm like, yeah, this is normal for me. So, <laughs> yeah, with those experiences set apart, um, I, I I yeah, I feel like a climber again.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's very important. I have to admit that I don't want to, um, because you said you don't want the admiration, but I do admire it very, like, a lot when I see the whole pirate team climbing in, in the gym because I also climb in Mountain Network Amsterdam as you know it is really like such an inspiration to see you guys climb as a team I, I love watching you you guys train and it's it's an, a real inspiration I just want to put that out there
1: <laughs> yeah I think we all have to drive to 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 train really hard and to overcome our disability and for me I think the hardest moment as a paraclimber was my first paraclimbing competition. I remember it was in Belgium. It was the Belgium championships and paraclimbing and regular climbing was combined. So all the athlete climbers and the paraclimbers were in the same gym on the same day. And I, at that point I felt like, wow, I'm really sad that I'm I'm not joining the elite climbers right now because I can imagine because um, you used to
0: be part of that world. I used
1: to be one of them climbing at a really high level, doing lead competitions, and now it was in the paraclimbing competition, so that was a hard day for me. And then, um, I, I felt like less of an athlete compared to the able bodied athletes. And then, one of the world's famous climbers, uh, Anna Kruve, came to me and she said, Well, my parents are judges. And they told me that you climbed as an elite climber before. Wow. And now you're as a, climbing as a paraclimber. How cool. And you're so amazing. And I saw you climbing and, and and your technique is so amazing. And I'm not sure if she was aware of the things she did, but she was like the climber that made me feel home again. That's amazing. It was, it's still a pretty, a pretty emotional thing for me to talk about because that was the moment that I was like, okay, I still matter even as a paragliding athlete I'm still an athlete I'm still an elite climber it's just it's different but it's not different yeah so yeah that was really i really like anak <laughs> she's really nice
0: but that moment yeah i'm 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 so grateful for that moment i can imagine and um yeah you you mentioned uh competitions I know you're now a couple of years in the national paraclimbing team uh, and you did some pretty cool international competitions. But before I want to talk about that, I want to ask you, did you feel like your career as an able body climber back when you were in the national youth team was fulfilled or were there any goals that you were like, I wish I could have done that or I wish I would have done that?
1: Well, when I was younger and I was in the Dutch youth team, I always wanted to be like on the highest podium. I always wanted to come in in first and I never succeeded, although I trained really hard. And now I know that I have a muscle disease. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay that I never won a really big prize when I was younger. I I had a muscle disease and I climbed at elite level. That's pretty huge. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And, and and now I know that why I always slacked behind in strength test because I had a muscle disease. So no, I don't look back with regret. I only look back with, wow,
0: I did it with a muscle disease. Um, so I'm really proud of myself. Yeah. yeah. Again, your mindset is just, it's just mind-blowing to me. It's so amazing how you look at the bright side of life always. So I also mentioned the international competitions that you did with the power climbing team. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because that's so cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, paragliding competitions are are the best, and they're actually different compared with the the, the able-bodied competitions uh, back then, because the atmosphere is is really nice. Um, everybody knows everybody, and you're okay. I I even went on like vacations to other paraclimbing athletes. I went climbing in Slovenia with one of one of the The athletes, I went to Innsbruck to climb with the the Austrian team. Yeah, the the atmosphere is really good. And uh, we have, um, paraclimbing isn't Paralympic yet. They're working on that. But uh, right now we have World Cups and World Championships. We have about three, four World Cups every year. And every other year we have uh, World Championships.
0: And you went to them.
1: Yes, in 2019, I went to the World Championships. yeah. (laughs) Tell us about that. That was really cool. I, I, I just started climbing in like November, 2018 and in August, uh, 2019, I already went to the world championships. It was amazing. So many climbers, so many stories, really hard climbing. And, um, I'm actually, um, in climbing, you all have your, uh, you have different categories. And for people with, for instance, uh, muscle diseases or problems with um, spasticity or things like that, you have three categories, um, which are called RP categories with problems in range of motion. And I'm actually classified in the most severe category of those uh, categories, which have RP1, RP2, RP3. You have three categories. Um, RP1 is for the most affected athletes RP3 is for the less effect- affected athletes and um on the world championships i was the <laughs> i was the only girl in RP1 no way <laughs> so i was yeah i was merged with the RP2 get uh, athletes which have less severe disabilities than i that sounds a bit unfair
0: to Yeah, it them. is it is it is an, it is completely unfair but um that's yeah Sorry, and you were saying you made it into the top 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. I Amazing. Did. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it was something I wasn't expecting. And in that same year, I, I won the, the the Austrian Masters in my category. And it was actually a funny story because I went to the the English Paraclimbing Championships. And there I was also the only girl competing, but there were men competing in RP1. So on that day, uh, I, I actually debated with the judges the entire day until they finally decided to merge um, RP1 men and female into a, a mixed final. And I claimed, climbed the finals, and, and then <laughs> I uh, I came in first. You won. <laughs> so I, actually, I won from oh, the men. Wow. That's so
0: amazing.
1: Yeah, and it's so cool because the men climbing there, they are actually really happy that there was an, a mixed rp1 final so i didn't think that there weren't any hard feelings that i began. oh that's good but still, it was
0: it was really nice it was really cool to have a mixed rp1 final i can imagine can you because i sense that the culture within the national power climbing team and the culture you experienced back in the youth national team are completely different is that a correct uh, assumption that i'm making and and can you maybe elaborate a bit more about that
1: Yeah, I think when I was in the Dutch youth team, um, it was way more about uh, performance. And I I felt like I had to be the best version of me every day and I had to train harder. And and if if I didn't train hard enough, I would be kicked off the team. And there was a huge focus on uh, weight and on eating. And for some of the girls, well... They started developing not so healthy eating habits, so that was pretty, yeah, it felt serious. And maybe that's because back then I was a really serious kid with really high expectations, and I really I, ha- I had that internal drive. And maybe now I'm a little bit older and I can relate a bit more, but in the paraclimbing team, it's much more about. Who you are as a person, and you're okay as a person, and you're challenged to overcome your disability, and don't let your disability define you. For instance, in the first year in the paraclimbing team, uh, I always told my coach, Yeah, due to my disability, I can't do this, I can't do that. And she was like, Okay, that's fine, but look further, um, think bigger than your disability, and try to find other solutions. And that really helped me because. Yeah, three years ago, we didn't think that I would climb the level that I'm climbing today. I'm actually really close on finishing a 6C plus project, which is a really high level. For my category, um, well, maybe that's also a good thing to to tell. Climbing is divided in in grades and subgrades. So you start with 3ABC, 4ABC, 5ABC, 6ABC, 7ABC, 8ABC, 9ABC. And when I was younger, I climbed 7C. Which is a really, which was back then a really good level. Well, it still for, is. <laughs> <laughs> it still is, yeah. And for my category RP1 female, um, I think the first route in competitions will be a five B. Second route will be five C six A, 5C6A, and finals will be a six A six B tops. And I'm actually really close in climbing a six C plus project, which is so, amazing. Yeah, I have to say that's a project that's really my style and I couldn't climb like any of every 6C plus project, but still.
0: No, but it's amazing that you can do that because um, uh, the amateurs climbers, they also usually are around that level. Um, I think 6C, 7A, if you're very ambitious as an amateur climber. So I think what you're doing is, is absolutely amazing. Like climbing a 6C is like mind blowing for me.
1: Yeah, sometimes sometimes it's um, I can't climb every route because some moves are are really difficult, and I always try to look in solutions. But sometimes I'm falling from six E, or yeah, and that's okay too. Sometimes that's like a bummer. It still is because <laughs> I still want to be like I have the drive to to be my best best version every every time I climb. But it's okay. It's it's fine. I'm I'm climbing. I'm I'm getting out of my chair. I'm I'm loving I'm loving it every second. And I'm still improving my
0: grades in climbing. So, yeah. That's the most important thing that you that you're loving what you're doing. Looking a bit into the future, what are your goals with climbing? Do you have any goals?
1: Well, I really hope that climbing will be Paralympic. They are they're aiming for the Paralympics in 2028 so I really hope they can achieve that um, I really want to go to the Paralympics <laughs> yeah no I can I can imagine that's a dream and for this year well I hope that all competition will take place because last year a lot of competitions were cancelled due to uh due to COVID um so this year we will have world cups in Innsbruck in Brionson and in America and we will have the world championships in Moscow so I'm I'm really looking forward on climbing the best I can in those competitions and in all the other competitions there are as well. Yeah. So cool.
0: And I really hope they won't be canceled and uh, you can compete there. I really hope so. We touched a lot on your mindset. Is that something you always had in you or did you did you taught yourself that during the setbacks that you had with your health or or how How are you always so positive? I'm so, that's so amazing. Yeah.
1: Well, I think growing up, my parents um, always encouraged me to look at possibilities and look at the bright side of life. Don't dwell on the things that you don't have any influence on. Just uh, focus on the things that you can influence. Um, And I'm actually a a health psychologist training to be a a clinical neuropsychologist. So that's part of my, my job as well to focus on things you can influence. And yeah, I think my own experience help with that. And obviously there are times that I feel down and then I feel sad or that I'm angry, Um, but that's completely normal. That's okay. It's okay to have bad days and it's okay to feel sad sometimes. And it's okay to be angry if you have a training that doesn't go as planned or as hoped. But still look at the things that you can do. Look at the things that you can influence.
0: Yeah, that's such a good advice. And again, I really admire your positivity throughout your how you are in the climbing gym and, and the challenges you face. It's, it's, it's really inspirational. I think we touched a little bit upon it. Would you wish you would have known that you had a muscle disease back when you were younger, back when you were in the National Youth Team? Or would you rather have it as is that you've known or you got to know it when you were a little bit older?
1: For me, I don't want to change a thing. Um, because... Growing up without knowing you had a muscle disease also made me like, I never did things because I didn't think I could do them. I always challenged myself to do things and to be my own best version. But I'm I'm, I'm really happy that I now know what I have because that also gives me the mind space to say, it's it's okay that I never podiumed first as a kid because... I had a muscle disease. It's pretty awesome that I climbed that level with a muscle disease even when it was uh, way less back then because it's it's a progressive muscle mm-hmm. disease. Um so yeah, no, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm the only thing I would change if I can look back is don't leave a gap between climbing because I actually stopped climbing when I was 18 and I did several years without climbing and if only I knew back then that there was such a thing as para climbing, um yeah, maybe i I would have gotten into it sooner because now I'm really happy that I found it again i'm I'm just really happy, and I can't wait till all the gyms open again and um yeah I, uh, I I just really, really, really like training and climbing, and
0: that's amazing that you just found another way to love the sport again it's great actually and um like and for me it's it's okay that i won't i won't climb seven c again i
1: used to but now i'm i'm able with the methodise disease and i rock what i do and it's okay i don't have to i had i don't have to hit that grade i'm perfectly happy with who i am and i'm challenging myself the way i can and that's something in para climbing, in the bigger competitions, when there are not enough athletes in your own category, you get merged. So I think chances are high that it will get merged again this year because pair climbing is a rapidly growing sport. But we're still, yeah, we're, we're still looking for RP1 women to, to join the game because every category is filled except for the RP1 female category. There are heaps of RP1 men out there, and there are some RP1 female climbers right now. Uh there are two other female climbers with the RP1 climbers with a muscle That's disease. So cool. which are also really cool people. Um so Bo if you heard this, <laughs> or Lucy if you hear this, I'm talking about you. So there there are there are more climbers coming, but we need we need at least four people competing so we can have four or five people competing so we can have an our own category. So probably I will get merged for competitions this year. And I won't podium. But there's so much more than podiuming, because when I look back on that World Championships in 2019, uh, I may not have made finals because the first six were going to finals, but I made top 10, I climbed...
0: Of the world! Yeah!
1: (laughs) I climbed better than I expected. Uh, I actually uh, climbed better than some of the athletes with less disability. So yeah, for me, that's still a moment that I'm really proud of. Yeah, I can imagine. And everybody in paraclimbing has such a different body, such different limitations. I mean, for instance, Lucy from she's from England, she has a muscle disease, but her muscle disease is completely different compared to mine, or Bo from the Netherlands. Her muscle disease is also completely different compared to mine. Or the RP2 climbers, they have they have they are less disabled, but they have really different disabilities as well. So for me it, it isn't about Uh, podiuming it's about being bigger than myself being bigger bigger than my disability being positive um, and just giving my best and excelling at the things
0: I do that makes me really happy wow that's that's an amazing advice in itself and would that also be something you'd say to your younger self when you didn't know you had a muscle disease or would you give her some other advice maybe
1: yeah I would I would probably say have more fun Come on, let's enjoy this. Don't be so serious. There's time enough to be be serious. And that's something that I would want to say to all the youth climbers. It's being in a Dutch youth team is such a time to enjoy yourself and to be the best climber you can be and to be serious, obviously, but still keep enjoying yourself.
0: Yeah, that's the most important thing to enjoy what you're doing every day. And from what I've heard, you enjoy definitely the things that you're doing right now. And I hope that you are going to the World Championships and that the World Championships and the and the World Cups won't be cancelled this year. And of course, I'm rooting for you that you're going to the Olympics, the Paralympics. I have to say, uh, in what is it like six years? I believe. Um, four?
1: Yeah, four, seven, I think. seven. Two thousand twenty-eight. I hope. I hope we have a paraclimbing competition at the at that uh, Paralympics. Yeah, that
0: but would be who amazing. Who knows?
1: Maybe yeah. Uh, Maybe I'll we'll try different. Uh, maybe I'll go rowing or 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 kayaking in the in the
0: next Paralympics. We will see. That would be amazing. Well, Eva, thank you so so much for joining the podcast. It was a blast to have you here. Yeah, thank you.
1: No, thanks. It was really nice uh, having this uh, this, this conversation and it was really nice to talk about all the, the things that I love because actually that was what this was all about. It was all about things I love and like, yeah.
0: That's amazing. And uh, as well, because I know you from the gym. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're an awesome climber as well. <laughs> well, thank you so much. <laughs> find our guest eva mo on instagram at wallygoesworldwide to follow her inspirational journey this podcast was created hosted edited and produced by Unlight and the music is we are free by ixen